Shane Daniels. Good morning. Good oh, yes. Another episode. Today's a great day. Uh, Friday. Fun Friday. So feeling good, man. Feeling good. What's up with you? Fun Friday, man. Uh, wrapping up work later today, and then we're actually taking the kids to Legoland. It's not open, but we're going to stay at the hotel, swim in the pool, have some fun. What are you drinking this morning? Oh, uh, between between me and you, man, I got a, uh, a Victory Oktoberfest. Ooh, that's not, that, that, that tastes good. That, that was chilling in the fridge probably for like three or four years. <laughs> what you got? Well, it's morning where I'm at, so I got some quality H2O. Uh, there we go. Cheers. Cheers, baby. Cheers. Hey, welcome to episode 10. I think we have six listeners now. We're growing. That's 20, yes. 20% growth. Applause to us. <laughs> what Six and a half. My kids listen. Six and a half. What the hell do we know? Not trying to prove people right. Not trying to say, uh, sorry, not trying to prove people wrong. Not trying to say we're right. Just trying to stand up for what we believe in. So hit us off, Shane. You got a quote? I got two. One was, uh, took our kids to the zoo today. Some, some dude had a shirt like a green uh, Irish type shirt. It said, uh, when I drink, I know things. <laughs> <laughs> that like, makes, yo, I need that. Uh, that makes me think of my neighbors. We do like a Friday night happy hour out in the alley and let the, the kids uh, all ride around their bikes. And man, the more people drink, the more they seem to be 100% positive about how to fix the world. Yeah, man, drinking is a... Uh... It's, it's, it's crazy. You got to be careful. But the uh, other one um, I've been pondering is uh, slow and steady. Mm. Just the tortoise and the hare. Yeah. Just the slow and steady and just keep at it. You know, I like things fast. I want things right away, man. And that, that has never done anything good for me. Patience. Patience. Mm -hmm. I love the story of the tall toys and the hare. <laughs> Oh, you had an English accent, toy, toy toys. Toy toys. Well, I only had one quote, but now you made me think of two because you reminded me of your first quote about when I drink, I know more. So classic quote from one of my neighbors. He said to me, no, I, I don't read books. I really like to see people's faces. That's why I listen to podcasts. <laughs> and I just started dying laughing, but I didn't want to make fun of him, so I didn't say why. <laughs> but he had, had a, he had had a few too many to drink, so he knew a lot. But here comes my quote. I recently uh, read an article by a guy named Clayton Christensen, who is a Harvard Business School professor. And he, uh, the article is called How You Measure Your Life. And he gave this talk to the graduating class of 2010. But this, this one piece really stood out to me. And it says, I got this insight when I was asked to teach a class on humility at Harvard College. I asked all the students to describe the most humble person they knew. One characteristic of these humble people stood out. They had a high level of self-esteem. They knew who they were and they felt good about who they were. We also decided that humility was defined not by self-depreciating behavior or attitudes, but by esteem with which you regard others. Mm. And I just thought, man, when you, when you know yourself, when you're comfortable with who you are and you're happy with who you are, it's so much easier to love 
somebody else. Because so often, you know, we put others down to make ourselves feel better. We all learned that growing up, never really set in until I was 35. But like, wow, like, we have this need to put other people down so we feel better. But really, if we want to be humble, and we want to love our neighbor and they treat people well and have a high regard for others, we got to have a high regard for ourselves. Sort of gave me some insight to those two big things Jesus said, you know, under love God and love your neighbor, love yourself, intricate, tied together. Which yeah, is tough. I'm sorry, you're breaking up. What? So what do you think? Uh, that, that signal from outer space to earth, that's a delay. <laughs> my back, my outer space background. Yeah, told you, you're chill, chilling in Uranus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, we, I think we need to do some episodes eventually just on like uh, life, like motivation, inspiration. But um, yeah, I found it's hard to be in a conversation and you're not thinking about you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you could be thinking like, oh, what does this person think? You could be thinking like, all right, well, what's the next thing I'm going to say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's hard to just like be in that moment and listen, you know, yeah. and not, not some, somehow make the conversation that moment uh, about you. Yes, that's, that's like a lifelong lesson, man. That's real good. That's real good. So no longer can we say a woman of color has never been appointed to a presidential ticket by either of the two main American political parties. And whether you agree, disagree, whether you hate Democrats, love Democrats, you're somewhere in the middle like me, man, progress feels good in my opinion. She's in, Miss Harris, is it it Kamala or Kamala? I go with Kamala, but I say- Kamala, okay. Don't trust me. Oh, Kamala Harris, I think that's it. What's Trump's nickname for Did he have one? Oh gosh, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to hope he doesn't have one. That's a, that's a slippery slope right there. I mean, immediately he obviously came out and said, she's the worst person on earth. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody's the worst person on earth besides him. Oh, phony, phony Kamala. Phony Kamala. I just love in his inaugurational speech (laughs) and on air force one the other day, he repeated that he's the only person in the world who can solve our problems. And on Air Force One the other day, he, he let God know that too. He made sure God knew that he was the only one who was able to solve these problems. And God reassured him that he was. So I'm just so happy that the only person who can solve our problems is our president. Hey, man, you know, some, some people got that direct connection to God that uh, other, other people don't have. You know, I, I don't have that uh, so, audible, audible one. One thing I'm excited about Kamala. Let's get back to Kamala. A good friend of mine, he's uh, named Shane Daniels. I host a podcast with him. Uh, he once said to me, unless we have real criminal justice and education reform, sheet won't really change that much. Say sheet. Oh, S-H-E-E-T. Oh, okay. S-H no, underscore T. For our more conservative listeners. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm just yeah. you, though. I, <laughs> I mean, I think that was, you said that way back when this racial awakening began, that we need criminal justice reform. We need education reform. Yeah, I know, like, the sentiment uh, with some people I talked to um, in the Black community with Kamala was her record 
in California that she was a, like a law and order type person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I know one case where someone, someone went in prison who was falsely accused and it was under her watch. Um, now that person, I'll have to uh, get their name before we end here. Um, they did eventually get out of prison and it was, it came out that they were falsely accused and they got, they got awarded and that person said, let's, let's forgive her. But I have some, some of the black males that I've spoken to. One of the reservation was her harsh penalties towards drug offenders in California. Mm -hmm. Um, now at the same time, the other side is she didn't necessarily create those laws. Yeah. Um, but from what she has said, you know, within the past years that she is passionate about criminal justice reform, you know, she did say that she wants all of her under her watch that all of uh, her authority, her police officers, they, you know, made sure that their body cameras were on. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, I know there has been some reservations there, but I guess one of my biggest thoughts was, it seems like the Democrats and politicians, like, you know, they're trying to calculate who to put at that time um, to get the most votes. You know, she, she is a black woman and they've said that black women are, you know, like the base of the Democratic Party. But you're always, always a little afraid. Is that person just going to be a face? Yeah. Um, I did like what she said when she, she was real direct with Biden at the, um, uh, the presidential uh, debates. Um, I can play that for you. Yeah. While you get that ready, let me say one thing. And a little bit of it's just agreeing with you, but I, I'm with you on Kamala. She play a good and bad role in what's a broken system. You know, sometimes she was too lenient, I read, on certain cases, in certain examples. Sometimes too strict. Sometimes it seemed like she was trying to please the people. Sometimes it seemed like she was trying to, you know, please the system. Two quotes I have here is, you know, the, uh, from an article I read, it said the shift revealed that Harris's brand of progressive prosecution was really just slightly less awful prostitute prosecution, a politics and a set of policies that still meant being complicit in securing America's position as the world's leading jailer. Mm. You know, I think that's where a lot of the critique, I think that's good critique. Um, you know, at the same time, the article said Kamala also fought for California communities and prosecuted transnational gangs who drove human trafficking, gun smuggling, and drug rings. You know, so she's got, to me, she just through and through seems like a politician. Sometimes pleasing these people, sometimes pleasing these people. Sometimes doing things that seem to, you know, be welcomed by the greater population of the U.S. Sometimes, sometimes not. And I think what I've been encouraged about, I wanna, you know, hear what you have to, I want, I want us to hear what Kamala has to say here in a moment, though, is that, Recently, in the last year and two, there are a lot of quotes from her saying, I need to do better. I need to do different. We need to look at ending the money bail system, the cash bail system. We need to refuse to prosecute low-level drug crimes. We need to vow to prosecute police officers who shoot unarmed civilians. You know, we got to look at the systems behind either of these things and why these things that need to change were set up this way in the first place. You know, I mean, I, man, I had a personal friend with a kid get in trouble recently and everything pointed from the judge's decision to be about, you know, making sure she got reelected to be a judge. And I'm like, man, you got a judge who's up for reelection 
and you don't think that in the back of her human mind, she's just a human, male or female, they're just human. She's not thinking about how her ruling is going to affect her reelection. She definitely is. You know, and I don't know how we change these systems because you could say on the other way, appointing judges who are judges for life, like where's the accountability? So it's, it's difficult, but I'm, 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 uh, it's unfortunate that Kamala did a lot of the things she did, but as far as a democratic vice president, that, you know, it, it seems like to me, like they made a good pick. Right, right, right. So according to um, LA Times, an article published on October uh, 2019, um, California Department of Correction and Rehab Institutions data says that the state population of California, 6% Black, but Black people made up 29% of their prison population. Mm -hmm. Latinos, 39% population, they made up 43% of the prison population. Uh, white people were 37% of the state population and they made up 22% um, of the prison population. So a lot of that goes back to, you know, things we, we've seen in the documentary 13th. Well, you know, we, we've talked about this probably every episode is the fact that black males, especially are going to jail for very, for drug offenses. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that Kamala has talked about. She, she wants to change her. I'll play for you which, how she talked to Joe Biden. That's interesting there. Statistics show that drug use is similar among different races. Mm -hmm. Almost the same. You know, very close percentages throughout the U.S. of drug use. And yet drug prosecution or jail time for drug use is wildly different. <laughs> I mean, that, that begs some deep questions about why. You know, because I've heard some people say to me, and I would love to know your response to this thing. You know, I've heard some people say to me, well, yeah, more blacks are in jail, but look, that small percentage of African-Americans are committing the majority of the crimes. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The, re the stat you're reading is that small percentage of African-Americans are arrested from the majority of the crimes. It doesn't mean that other crimes aren't happening and because they're white, they don't get arrested. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that there's different laws with the crack having a mandatory sentence at one point versus cocaine sentencing, just the fact that you would almost have different classes of different drugs. And it's not black and white, but we're gonna, we're gonna have a future episode with our good friend, Jason Winkleblack about the difference between economic inequality and racial inequality. And you know, the color of your skin matters, but also if you got money, that matters too. Mm -hmm. Play some words by, by Kamala, enlighten us. Uh, I mean, no, I may have to see if I can share my screen. You're all set up. Rock out. On the issue of race, I couldn't agree more that this is an issue that is still not being talked about truthfully and honestly. I, there is not a black man I know, be he a relative, a friend, or a co-worker who has not been the subject of some form of profiling or discrimination. Growing up, my sister and I had to deal with the neighbor who told us her parents couldn't play with us because, she, because we were black. 
And I will say also that, that in this campaign, we've also heard, and I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden, um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, it cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly. As Attorney General of California, I was very proud to put in place a, a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on. So I like that she, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to put these headsets back on. Were you able to hear that? Yeah. You know, very serious on the topic of race, very confrontational towards Biden. I think sometimes with these picks, you know, so when you accept the nomination, like, do, do you not feel that way about Biden anymore? <laughs> but also, I know people I are, you know. Publicly. Right, right, right. And this is my hope, and it's just a hope, and it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but my hope there is that she's going to continue to press Biden. Now, Biden has come out and said much of what he did in the past was wrong, and he would do it differently, and he wants to do it differently. But let's not make this Republican versus Democrat real quick. Let's, let's, let's understand, they're both at fault. We're, we're in some places, you know, all of us, especially uh, white, Caucasian Americans, all have played uh, a role, at least an implicit role, an unconscious role, an unconscious bias we've talked about. And so is Biden at fault? 100%. Is Trump at fault? 100%. This isn't political. This is, this is the fact that people have not been treated equally. Let me read a quote, because you showed a Democrat, so I want to read a Republican, blah, 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 make everybody happy. But this was Indiana governor, Republican, white guy, Governor Holcomb, this week. He said, we are also facing another kind of virus that's equally ferocious. What a word. And it's in turn forcing us to a reckoning as a state and a nation, one that's built on equality for all. I'm talking about cases of racism, sometimes obvious, sometimes subtle. They have led to inequity and exclusion that have plagued our country throughout our, story hist our storied history. We now stand at an inflection point, and we have an opportunity to acknowledge those past wrongs, learn from our history, and admit where we've come up short of our ideals. And yet, it's just a fact. The concept that all men were created equal wasn't put into practice even before the ink was dry. Quite the contrary. Laws were established that classified African-Americans as property and prevented women from voting. There's nothing equal about that. And I think what surprised me is this history that was so unequal isn't that long ago. And the naivety of so many Americans to believe that we've totally eradicated that thought and practice 
out of our hearts and our minds, our laws and our government. I'm like, guys, this is my dad's generation who was doing this stuff. My dad, who's still alive. Now, I'm not saying my dad did it. Love my dad. Actually, haven't had too many deep talks with him about uh, you know, the civil rights movement and, 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 and what he was thinking then. But I, he, he's been a huge proponent of minority children and helping uh, bring equality there. So, but I'm just saying, I'm just confused by how we think it's gone sometimes. And obviously Kamala does not think it's gone. Right. And I think that's, that's sort of the, the gap, you know, between us, between conversations we have is, you know, how much do you see progress versus kind of how far do you think we have to go? Um, and the people who just say, you know, who feel like it's, it's over, you mm-hmm. know, and that anytime a person talks about it, that it's a hoax or, um, you know, they're being persuaded by the left. So it's yeah. like a, you know, sort, sort of like a balancing act. Maybe, maybe everyone's right, <laughs> you know, maybe everyone's right, but I agree. I think it is a, I'm sorry, I can't hear you, but no, you go, keep going. Um, I just, and also I know for black people, to be honest, you know, just, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I like to read people's comments on Facebook and YouTube and just try to learn what people are thinking that way. Um, there's always a sentiment of anyone who is associated with law enforcement. There's a distrust. Mm-hmm. There's also a thing of, you know, we've been down this road before where someone's came along who was of color and said, yeah, we're for you. But then somehow the black issues don't get prioritized for the next four, eight years. Um, and then I think there's also this sentiment of we, we sometimes judge people really hard. Um, are expecting them to fix a lot of problems. You know, I, I heard someone uh, on the radio say, you know, Joe Biden is not obviously going to be the leader of um, moving the racial conversation forward. But if he's is, is a person who does present it, you know, then all of us have to continue to, to lead it forward. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, one thing I think about with Kamala, with Biden, is, you know, with any politician, Republican, Democrat, do they really mean it? What are they really going to do? But I think some people have come to the end of their rope. I mean, take Colin Kaepernick for a moment. Colin Kaepernick, years ago, came to the end of it, came to the end of the line, drew a line in the sand, and did something very bold, very controversial. Obviously, he would get tons of flack for. But he said, "Enough is enough. Like this stuff is just overlooked, shoved under the rug, disregarded, ignored, and and he's saying enough. Enough is enough." And you know, I, I looked into a lot about kneeling, and I know you have a video about Kaepernick, so we want to hear what he has to say. But I love this quote from the Martin Luther King Jr. Center, and it said, "Many more, many are more dedicated to order than to justice. Offended mm-hmm. by kneeling or the anthem, and not by racism and modern day lynching." And I was just like, "Yo, my mind was blown." Like, like this is a tweet by the Martin Luther King Jr. Center. A couple months ago but but wow. that premise that that we are you know and thinking of our our recent president and all these calls for law and order like we're more dedicated to order than we are to justice you know 
We're, we're offended by kneeling to the flag, but we're not offended by all these racist laws that continue to cause pe certain people to be treated so much differently by the of our country, you know? And I know this stuff exists around the world. I know slavery is more prevalent today than it even was during the, the transatlantic slave trade. I wanna be the country that leads the way and says enough is enough. You know, at first I was bothered by Kaepernick kneeling. Now I'm like, yeah, yo, like enough is enough. Let's kneel. Like if that's what's gonna get people's attention, let's do it. You sure that's water? You fired up. <laughs> man, that's that's not water, man. Stop lying. This stuff. I might, uh, I might still have a few drinks in me from last night. We went out. Uh, we went out on the town. Oh, gotcha. Oh, shooting star. Um, <laughs> why, why, why were you offended? Or why do you think people get offended by kneeling? Like what? Uh, I think in a very good way. You know, we have a respect for the American flag. There is part of being an American that I love: freedom, uh, a nation of immigrants, um, everyone coming together to help one another. Um, equality for all, you know, that we're all created equal. Uh, I love these things. And there's another part of America that I'm sad to be an American where we don't listen. We don't seek to understand. We write each other off. We're incredibly divided. We have a lot of hate, you know, somewhere along the line, a lot of people have said, you know what, enough is enough. You know, we're no longer a nation of immigrants. Now there's Americans and there's others, you know? And I just think uh, just recently down in Florida, uh, a girl who probably won't make it to the Senate, but she won the GOP nomination and she was applauded by Trump last week. And here's her tweet from 2018. Someone needs to create a non-Islamic form of Uber or Lyft because I never want to support another Islamic immigrant driver. And I'm just like, yo, there's so much hate in that speech. That's going to tear America apart. Everything our constitution was built on that phrase is the opposite of it. And these are the people running saying, we are bringing back the constitution. And I'm like, no, you're bringing back the slavery that existed when the constitution was written, quote unquote. Make America white again. That's, that's, that's the translation. Make America um, white again. Yeah, I mean, there's also sentiments where it's like, sometimes I think about what other countries are allowing so many different people in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think, like, would Canada allow, you know, hundreds of that, like, 10,000 Americans to just cross over the border? Like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, are other countries, you know, necessarily more or better in, in, actually, in that regard? I did some reading um, a while ago. There's actually some, like, uh, Scandinavian countries and Middle East countries who lead the world in immigration. Hmm. And I can't remember exactly who it was, but like number one on the tour on the list was someone like, I don't know, some Middle Eastern country that I was just like, are you, wow, that, it just surprised me so much that they would top the list. You know, and we act, the U.S. acts, again, we act like we have the lowest death rate in COVID. We don't. It's simple math. We just don't. You know what I mean? Right. And it, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think the death rate from COVID is all that high overall. So I'm not saying, you know, that we have some crazy death rate. I'm just saying we just simply don't. And nor do we take in the most immigrants. But we love to right. say we're the greatest, we're the best, we do the most. And the world is starting to look at us like, uh, you know, 
are you guys nuts? Are you crazy? Like, you just, it's just simple math. You just don't. Yeah. I'll, um, oh, another thought. We can wrap up Kamala and get back to kneeling. Um, another one of my friends mentioned that, you know, Kamala Harris is, uh, well, she Asian American plus Jamaican, you know, on her dad's side. But I, I know she considers herself black, um, a black American. But obviously, I don't think she was raised in the hood. I'm not saying you don't have to be. You don't have. You don't have to be raised in the hood. Um, but it sometimes these people who come or whose parents are immigrants who aren't necessarily black Americans. There is a gap. <laughs> I can't always explain it. Um, a lot of times, I, what I've seen is people who come from other countries who, who are Black, they don't want to be identified with African-Americans. Like, they kind of look down on African-Americans. So, but it sounds like she's had racist experience where she's been the victim of racism, so she can relate that way. Um, but I have heard people say, you know, I don't want to say question her uh, blackness, but I brought up the fact that she had a different experience than a lot of black people in America. That doesn't negate the fact that she can't have compassion or empathy or, you know, prioritize black American issues. Um, but these are, and that's just one of the sad parts is just the fact that people have all these different variables and thoughts um, sometimes it just causes a disunity or a divide in between Black America itself, which I think harms us and it, it makes it um, challenging to just continue to, to move forward when you, when you have some people questioning, some people supporting, um, some people just refusing to be involved. Um, so I just think sometimes that divide, you know, presents another challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, but, I mean, forward. I I think the two things we're talking about connect, you know, what you're talking about and why Kaepernick is kneeling are so connected. Let me, let me read this. On September 1st, uh, Kaepernick followed the advice of retired Army Green Beret, Nate Boyer, who suggested kneeling during the ceremony would be more respectful toward veterans. And here's Kaepernick. I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses back black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football, and it will be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. I've struggled with some of Kaepernick's more recent, very harsh posts, and I think my struggle is just I would need to sit down with someone who says something so harsh and hear their heart more to understand them more. But that comment right there, like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I struggle showing pride for a country that oppresses so many people. It, and it is bigger of football. And I love how he says it would be selfish on his part. Like there's people getting away with murder because they're rich or they're white or whatever it is. And, and he's protesting it. And I think I would just stand as a white male. And I just want to repeat, repeat Drew Brees' apology. Because to me, I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to say to the world. I completely missed the mark. I'm quoting Drew Brees here. We must stop talking about the flag and shift our attention to the real issues of systemic racial injustice, economic oppression, police brutality, and judicial and prison reform. We are at a critical juncture in our nation's history. If not now, then when? Go Jubrees! Thank you. Yeah. Go Colin. Let me say, this is what uh, 
Drew Brees originally said. And let's oh. let's connect them. I know. Because I will. It says I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the USA or our country. Let me just tell what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played. And when I look at the flag of the United States, I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, et cetera, et cetera, both risking their lives to protect our country and try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the anthem, that's what I think about. Yeah. And I think people can't, Kaepernick and anyone kneeling is not disagreeing with Drew Brees. No, that's what I was going to say. Like, yeah. I could kneel the flag and be talking to my ancestors who fought for our country. My dad, yeah. you know, my, 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 my wife's dad, you know, and say, like, I could be kneeling and say, I'm taking a kneel because you fought for a better country. Right. And just, but also at the same time, you know, what our country does some represent at the same time is injustice. And I think some people just can't separate the two, that no one is really disrespecting everything that's been, um, that other people have done for our country or the great things about our country. You know, I think we do have to do a podcast of just like how great it is, you know, to, to be in America. It really, um, at some point. Technology, the provision, the wealth. Yeah. It is the the people. It is a privilege to be an American. Mm -hmm. I think that the people. I I respect our soldiers who defend freedom around the world. And I have many friends who are Marines and in the Navy, and they get very little credit for the vast amount of humanitarian work they do around the world. And at the same time, I struggle with all of our drones that drop bombs on innocent people. You know, my, my last month's National Geographic I read every month, uh, had people from the British, uh, the Allied side, and the German side of World War II, you know, now getting near the end of their life, and they're saying how much they regretted supporting an army, both sides in that war, who bombed innocent people, men, women, and children, you know? And so there, there, there are two sides. So I really like how you took that Drew Brees thing, and you said, well, and I think that's what happened to Drew. I think he came out and said that, and, and some people came to him who he respected and who he loved, and they said, Drew, you know, you're not seeing it from our vantage point. Imagine if you weren't white and rich. How you might feel, you know, back up, get get into the context of all Americans. And I think it's unfortunate that we're led by a leader and a president who says, if you don't stand, you shouldn't play. You should be fired. The NFL shouldn't even have Mm -hmm. game. You know, he obviously, he says he's not going to watch the NBA. He's not watching any sports that don't stand. And to me, it's all a show. Trump doesn't care. He never cared about the American flag. He never, he never cared about this stuff in all his life. All of a sudden he becomes president. He's the most patriotic person there is. And I'm like, you're just brewing hatred. It's not that I disagree mm-hmm. with policies and I'm not a Democrat. You know what I mean? I've never even voted Democrat, but stop brewing hatred. Let's, let's bring about justice, not order. Let, let's, let's bring about coming together community. You know, 9-11 brought us together as a nation. I don't know if our response was the best in, every, in entirety, but I'm just saying it brought us together as a nation. COVID, racial, it, it just made us further apart, which is never going to solve anything. You wrap us I'll up. Put, That's all I got. <laughs> but I'll just show you like, why Kaepernick originally started kneeling and what started this whole kneeling. Uh,
Um, I mean, ultimately, it's to bring awareness and make people, you know, realize what's really going on in this country. There are a lot of things that are going on that are unjust. People aren't being held accountable for. And that's something that needs to change. That's something that, you know, this country stands for freedom, liberty, justice for all. And it's not happening for all right now. There's your boy. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag? To say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now. Out. He's fired. He's fired. It's about the best Trump has, you know. I mean, his 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 biggest skill is firing people. He did it as a reality reality TV show host, and he did it as a re reality TV show host that we elected to be a president. Um, I, I, but I, I think there, I, I think your point had a good thing. It's a misunderstanding. There's a huge misunderstanding here that somehow kneeling is disrespectful. When, in some sense, kneeling might be more respectful. Shane. Yeah. And that's and it's funny because another thing uh, people have said is, you know, America loves black culture, black athletes, but not black issues. Mm -hmm. um, and it's basically Trump saying, hey, shut up and play football. Mm -hmm. Shut up and dribble. Yep. Um, yep. And just totally, totally not even willing to listen um, to what people are saying. And, and, Kaepernick, you know, there's facts out there. There's laws out there that still are very unjust. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's just sad in, in the regard that our leader isn't showing love, showing support to that side of America, basically just dismissing. And, you know, millions of people who are willing to dismiss what people are saying. Um, it's, it's tough, man. It's a struggle to, to be in conversation with people who, you know, friends of mine who are sending me stuff about Prager University, who are sending me emails about how, you know, racism is a hoax. It's a leftist agenda. I'm not, there is a leftist agenda. We all, we all agree on that. Yeah. Um, and, there, and, and the leftist agenda is trying to use racism to further their agenda. I don't disagree with that. Doesn't mean racism yeah, exists. Yeah, I don't disagree either. And that's what I'm saying. Like, so if you have to totally dismiss a community, a group of Americans in order to feel right. Um, I just think that's wrong. I just think it's wrong, man. It's wrong and in, in, uh, I'm just starting to see people as, I hate to say it, but I'm like, man, listen, you're a clown. Like, you're just totally missing it. You're just well, to totally missing it. For you and I, Shane, is to continue to love people we disagree with deeply, to fight the need to call them a clown. You know, to have such an understanding where we see that we're just as wrong and just as broken and just as misled as they are in other areas that we haven't learned about yet, you know, um, and, and, and have a love for ourselves despite it. Now, that doesn't mean we don't speak against them, don't stand up against them, don't vote against them, don't, don't work on policies against them, you know what I mean? But I think America truly needs to return to a respect and a love and a value for our fellow human, regardless of what they believe. And sometimes that means shutting up and walking away. I don't know, maybe you disagree with me. That's my final thought. Give us your final thought of the day and let's wrap this up. My final thought is 
uh, I, I agree, continue to, you always have to love people no matter what, but at the same time, I got to learn. I, I think we, we got to tell people what it is. And like, listen, I think the way people are going about this is wrong. People who dismiss people and then cover it up with a bow tie that says, let's love each other. And then they walk away the same. Yeah. Like we need each other to help us see what we can't see. And sometimes you need to, that person has to, has to shut up and listen and say, okay, I'm just not willing to change yeah. um, in this area. And that's what I realized, you know, we had a conversation the other night. Um, I realized, you know what, there's certain areas I just don't want to change in, yeah. but I have to change in order to move forward. And I think this is one of those things, man, where we have to say, you know what, I don't want to change. I'm afraid of what it may look like, or I'm afraid I'm losing something. But in order to move forward and to see the greatest potential that I think America has, because there's so many people here, um, so many different types of people here, which I think is, is a blessing. Um, but everybody has to be at the table in order for the greatest minds to come forward. You know, that kid in jail for 25 years of a minor drug offense maybe a brilliant mind but they never were able to express it or reach their potential and change millions of lives because of some law that that took it that took it away from them yeah so that's where that's where i'm at man you made me upset i mean i need some i don't know i'm about to go take it out on have a simple victory calm down we'll be back with episode seven that's the problem you always try to get people to calm down Thanks for joining us. Your <laughs> words are right. Your words are true. You know, I, I would totally agree with you. Love's got to include change. Love's got to include listening. Love's got to include. But I think you're also pointing out there that there's even parts of you that struggle to change, that's, that, that fight against doing what you should do, you know? And so I agree with you. We got to define love. We got to challenge ourselves to change. We got to be open to change, open to being wrong, open to the need to be someone different tomorrow than we are today. Yes, sir. Hey, God bless you, Shane. And I'm talking about the God who's not Republican or Democrat, male or female. He's just God. So Mother God blesses you and Father God blesses you. Yes, peace, man.